Last week, a man was struck down in traffic. Some witnesses stared for a moment, then passed by. A few others called 911, but no one went to his side to offer help. Is compassion for others dying in America? Does the threat of being sued prevent us from helping others? This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. All right, I am very glad to be with you for the next hour because I've really been wanting to talk about this video circulated by the Hartford, Connecticut Police Department which depicts Angel Torres, a 78-year-old man, being struck by a vehicle, uh, the rear vehicle in this apparent chase that's going on down the road. And then bystanders uh, just bystanding, just watching what happened and not doing anything. Now, we're going to talk about whether that's exactly what happened or not and how much we do know about it and what we ought to say about it in just a few minutes. And but I, I want to ask you a couple of questions and then invite you to call in and share uh, your experiences or your opinions about this topic that has to do with why on earth people were so reluctant to step in and help. So there's the first question for you. Uh, the first question is, why on earth are we so reluctant to jump into the middle of a situation where a person obviously needs serious help? Why would we delay? Why were people standing and gawking and some staring and seeing what was happening and then just move on as if nothing had happened? So that's the first question I have for you. And if you if you have an answer, if you think you can explain why in America and it doesn't just happen in Hartford, Connecticut, it happens all over the place all of the time. In fact, it's worse than that sometimes. Uh, we'll talk about an incident like that in just a few minutes. But if you have an opinion about why you think we are so reluctant to step in and help when a person is so obviously in need, then uh, you call in at 1-800-881-9270 and share with us your opinion about why that's happening. I have a couple of ideas of why I think it happens. I think a lot of people have expressed some of those ideas, but I want to hear why you think people are so reluctant to step in and help. And then secondly, I want to know if you've ever been in a similarly serious situation, but the outcome was different. Maybe someone did step in and immediately help, and they made all the difference because of it. Maybe you stepped in. Maybe someone stepped in and helped you when you were in dire need. But if you've had a circumstance like that, then share that with us, because obviously if we're going to talk about having a Christian worldview, we have to see things differently 
than how we saw them on that video that's been circulated around the Internet this week. It's, on, it's up on YouTube. It was put out by the Hartford, Connecticut Police Department. So uh, it's a very serious issue. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute and give you a moment to think about it and contemplate why you think people do that and maybe uh, remember a few incidents you've known of or some particular incident in your life you've known of where somebody did step at, step in and help and where things were different and done more in what we would see as a, as a Christian way, uh, something that ought to be automatic for us. Anyway, the number is 1-800-881-9270, and I invite you to call in whenever you're ready. Now, while you're thinking about that, and before we come back to it and give some evidence of it, hey, uh, uh, by the way, I want you to li- it's not true that they did nothing, because for one thing, they had a 911 call. In fact, there were several 911 calls right off the bat. Uh, here's one of the first 911 calls that came in. I'm on the corner of Park Street and Main Street, and there was somebody who was hitting a hammer. Now, we know that people were actually, when they saw what happened, confused, not sure what was going on, but at least they did something in the process. Now, we've already got a caller on the line. We're going to get to them in just a second. But before we do that, and before we get back to this story about the hit and run, there are a couple of really important things we need to talk about. So, uh, Gordon and Heiko, just hang on for a moment, and we're going to get right to you. But But before we get to that, this is hugely important. Big news came out last week, and I can't believe people haven't been paying more attention to it. On June 6th, for the first time in the history of the world, Jewish authorities finally recognized that giraffe meat is kosher. And it's about time. I'm telling you, my diet has been suffering in the meantime because I've been wanting to eat near-extinct animals. And uh, I, of course, live on a kosher diet since God gave us all meats to be received with Thanksgiving. And so, of course, I'm teasing about that. I don't just eat kosher, and neither do any of you who eat bacon, at least the kind of bacon that tastes any good. Now, uh, my, by the, I do avoid bacon, by the way, but it has nothing to do with it being kosher or not kosher. It's pure saturated fat that I'm trying to avoid. Anyway, to get off that topic, and back to the news, uh, there's one other really odd uh, relationship to establish last week, uh, odd to establish a relationship between giraffes and kosher meat, and it was odd to hear a relationship, uh, relationship try to be struck up between, uh, oh yeah, it was uh, Hillary Clinton and Jimmy Carter. No, not, not Jimmy Carter, uh, Barack Obama, that's him, yes. The way to continue our fight now to accomplish the goals for which we stand is to take our energy, our passion, our strength, and do all we can to help elect Barack Obama, the next president of the United States. Wow, she almost sounds like she means it, but uh, that's just enough almost to know that uh, the crowd that was booing was probably appreciated. Uh, I'm not, I can't read her motives. I don't know what they are, but boy, that did not have the kind of enthusiasm it had when she was talking about herself. Now, I want to get back to the topic for the day. I, I don't want to get sidetracked. I just wanted to give you a moment to think before we got there. And we do already have the, the lines full, and I appreciate you calling in with some information. We're joining Gordon in Heiko first. Nice to hear from somebody in deer hunting country. You know, I figure you can probably make bacon out of deer meat. I hear turkey bacon's pretty good. But it's nice to have you calling, Gordon. And uh, you have an idea on why people want step in what's your idea well what i what i'm thinking is a lot of times um well more times than not the circumstances and and uh of what's really going on uh, for instance you know i, I seen a woman in distress and okay. i was going to the movies with, a, with my family and i seen a woman i mean just getting bared down upon by 
I don't know who it, who he was, but he was screaming and like bloody murder. Oh my! So I ran over to I see what was going on, and I said, "Hey, hey, guy! Right? Hey!" He turned around and started going off on me, and I'm trying to protect myself. Right. And the guy's bearing down on me, so I kind of pin him to the ground, and he's trying to subdue him, and she jumps on my back like a wild cat, starts <laughs> clawing and scratching and hitting me, telling me, let let him go. Oh, my goodness. And I, got out, I, I let him go, all right, and got back over to my family, and we're all looking at them like, these people are weird, and I'm over <laughs> bleeding from the nose. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> we don't know the situation, and a lot of times Man. when you think that you're helping someone, you're actually just interfering. Well, now, uh, Gordon, you're not going to... Now, I, first of all, let me just say, thank you for being a person who intervenes. And I know that's risky. I mean, I, I know a man just a, a month ago or so who stepped in between uh, uh, an ex-husband who was stalking uh, a woman, his ex-wife, and uh, he stepped between them, and he ended up being stabbed and seriously injured and in the hospital. So uh, things like that happen all the time. But I, I know that what you're suggesting is that there are some people out there who are confused, and when we're trying to help them, they don't really want our help. But you're not suggesting that it's not important to step in and help, because even when things don't work out the way we want, it's still the right thing to get involved and not just to be standoffish. Do you agree, Gordon? Or What I think the world needs is more good Samaritans. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good word for it, too, Gordon. I appreciate your call. Thanks so much for calling in, and uh, especially from Heiko. It's nice to be with you there. And uh, now in Mansfield, Ricky, appreciate your calling. Why is it you think people don't step in and help? Well, I can tell you that from a, I'm a police officer, and I right. also minored in sociology in college. From All a police right. officer perspective, most people are fearful, one, of what's going to happen to them if they do step in. From a sociological perspective, right. A lot of people don't get involved because they think that somebody else around them probably knows more than they do, right. and they're going to step in. And that's why when you take CPR or you take any kind of you know, first responder training, they always tell you, look at the person and tell them, you, you go call 911 because nobody will do it otherwise. Right. All the sociological case studies point to that. One case right. from the 1970s, a Kitty, Kitty Genovese, she was stabbed multiple times in the middle of downtown New York, I believe it was, Manhattan. And nobody came to her aid, right. just like this individual right. who was ran over, and everybody just looked at him because, quite frankly, nobody probably knew what to do, and they thought, oh, somebody else has called 911, somebody else will stop, right. somebody else will do it. And it's a tragedy that, as people, we take on that persona, but that's just how we are. Ricky, I want you to hang on the line for just a second, if you can. Are you able to stay with us for a second? Because yes. I want to ask you a question or two, because being a uh, first responder, a police officer yourself, is that right? Did I understand you correctly? Yes, sir, that's correct. All right. Uh, that means what you spend your time doing for a living is responding to other people's needs and intervening in situations where people would probably rather you keep your nose out of it. As Gordon said, you're right. Most family violence, or most family violence situations end up like he was in a situation. You go to help right. her, and she jumps on your back. Sure. Yeah, I understand that. And, and I understand that that's a hugely dangerous situation for you guys. You guys go to a home where there's a dispute going on. But everything you're doing, is it's always stricken me as something unusual, uh, that, a, that police officers have this built-in characteristic that says, there's something going on over there that's wrong, and I'm going to go insert myself in that situation, and I'm going to try to fix it. And it just doesn't seem like most people are built that way. Do you, is it your experience that police officers are that way by nature or that they just force themselves to be that way to do their job? Just curious your opinion. Well, I think that it, it 
probably is two pronged. I think some people are innately they just have it in them. Mm-hmm. Other, you know, as a police officer, you have a lot of training and experience, and quite frankly, the situation dictates that you act. Right. Sure. And so you don't have the compass, I guess, that the general pu- public has. That I have the ability not to act. Right. Right. So, so you've you got to do it one way or the other. Uh, yeah, you, you act because you're required to, right. and so you just step up. Right. Ricky, I, man, thanks so much for your call from Mansfield. Great insight from the police side of it. In fact, I think we have a lot of questions that we would love to ask and uh, just take almost the whole show talking to a police officer. When do they wish we would interact and when do they wish we wouldn't? But I, I do know this. Uh, the police are not the thick blue line. They're the thin blue line because the <laughs> assumption is that the rest of us are going to maintain order, that we want to live in an orderly society. Society, that we want to be helpful and that we want to intervene. We have some other callers on the line, and I'll, I want to get to you as quickly as I can. So I'm just going to remind everybody what we're asking. Number one is, why are we so reluctant to step in and intervene? And I think uh, we've had some really good answers from Ricky in Mansfield and uh, also from Gordon. Appreciate both of those calls. But but I also want to get your opinion. Why is it that people are so uh, reluctant to step in? And then secondly, have you seen a situation where people did step in and it made a big difference? We've probably got time for one more call before we get to the first break. And so uh, We'd like to join Tanya in Springtown. What are, what's your reasoning for why people don't step in? Well, I, I actually think that um, it can be some, some conditioning uh-huh. um, because of fear and sure. a fear uh, to react, a fear to get involved. Sure. And I am also an RN. My husband is a police officer in training. And right. um, I feel compelled when I come up on a a catastrophe or an accident or somebody in trouble, I right. almost feel compelled to help. Right. And you've had a little training in that in that direction. Exactly. So that, yes. that does make a difference. I mean, I, I think you have an air of confidence about what you're doing, but even someone without training can have enough initiative to talk to someone or just to see if they're breathing or to make that 911 call, and you'd agree uh, with to, that, right? So. Also, I have an experience, uh, a personal experience, um, that happened to me several years ago um, where I was in a severe car accident and uh, knocked unconscious. Wow. And um, I was very lucky because the medical unit from Fort Hood was actually on their way to do training, and they were behind me and saw the wreck wow. happen. yeah. And they pulled over, and instantly I had help. Right. Yeah, um, man, I appreciate that call. Hey, uh, if you have more details about that, Tanya, tell the call screener because I'd want you to hang on and give us the rest of the details. But thanks for your call so much and for your input. I want to come back uh, after the break and talk some more about this, why people don't get involved, because there's always some ulterior motive. Even if we have an excuse for it, someone else will do it. There's a reason we want to call on that excuse. When we come back after the break, we'll be talking about it some more on Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. Well, what we've got going today uh, is this. We're asking a couple of questions because of this hit-and-run accident that happened up in Hartford, Connecticut, that I'll tell you a little more about in, in just a moment. And what we're asking is this. Why on earth are we so reluctant to jump into the middle of a situation where a person obviously needs serious help? And secondly, we're asking if you've been in that kind of a situation and received the help or maybe gave the help or you know someone who gave the help and it made a big difference because they did because we realize that as Christians we have to be involved we have to take the risk and we have to act and it's very difficult for us to do sometimes Ricky gave us a great call as a man uh, well from Mansfield uh, he called in uh, with experience as a first responder police officer made the point that we expect someone else to do it we think someone else has the expertise someone else has the ability and uh, what I'm adding to that is simply the reminder that the only reason we need a statement like that in our mind is because we have something that makes us want to back out of the situation if we can. We'd like to avoid having to do it ourselves. So uh, what we're talking about, if you're not familiar with it at all, is a video that's up on YouTube. You can uh, look for it, search for it there as the Hartford Hit and Run, or you can look at it on my website, uh, my blog, or you can look at it wherever you'll find the video and you'll see it. Uh, It's pretty gruesome because the guy gets hit hard. It's a violent hit. So you may not want to look at the video, but if you do, watch the bystanders and see what they do. Uh, There's some confusion, and and, uh, let me just say, though, uh, at first glance, you look at it and you just think no one does anything. In reality, some people are making 911 calls as soon as they see the accident. We played one of those 911 calls from a woman. Apparently, the same woman makes a couple of other calls also. Here's one of them. A hit or run a car? Uh, you know what? A cop's pulling up right now. Yeah, I saw the accident happen. And uh, she's, she actually calls in a couple of times that time. And then is there one more after that also? Listen to this one, too. Have any information of the, of the car that took off? Um, one of the cars was an old Honda Accord four-door. And another car that looked like an old... Somebody hit him from a car accident. This poor guy is walking across the street, and you can tell he's checking traffic from the direction it should be coming from. But these two cars cross the other side and are apparently chasing each other. They're going at a high rate of speed. One of them just misses him, and the other one then just hits him head on. And uh, he's flying and hits the ground. It's terrible. And then they're calling in and reporting on what happened after that, this hit and run. There's one more 911 call that comes in that I want to play for you, and then we're going to get right to the callers who are holding on the line. Harper 911, location of your emergency. Uh, yes, 33 Park Street, right in front of Danny's Market, somebody being hit by a car. Right in front of Danny's Market, someone was hit by a car? Yeah. Send an ambulance quick. He's hit hard. The car's still there? No, it's gone. 
So again, at first glance at the video, it, it looks like no one is doing anything and uh, that there ought to be a great outcry against it. You know, on second look, we realize that some of them were just confused and some of them were making 911 calls, and it's not quite as bad as we're portraying it by just looking at the video one time. But then again, you look at it again, and you realize that while some of them are calling 911, a remarkable number are doing nothing, or even worse yet. For instance, the van that's right next to the man when he gets hit pulls to the side of the road. You think, oh, they're going to stop. They're going to get out. They, you can tell from inside the van they're looking to see what has happened, and then they just drive off. They do nothing. A motorcycle man rides up. uh, He's actually on something like a scooter motorcycle man. There's a technical term for it. But anyway, this guy on a scooter drives up, and you can see he drives right next to this body lying on the pavement, looks, sees what's going on, is a little confused, turns around, comes back, and then just scooters off again, just ignores it as if it hadn't had. It's unbelievable that it's going on. So our question is, why on earth are we so reluctant to get involved? And uh, we've had some good calls on that, and I expect to have a few more coming in on that. And then also, do you have a story about when someone did step in and they did make a difference? Because something is wrong if we're not willing to get involved when people are in serious need, even if it involves a risk to us, especially as Christians. Now, we have some callers waiting on the line, so I want to get right to them as quickly as we can. Uh, let's see, is it John that we're going to next? John, thanks so much for calling. Uh, what's your on why people aren't getting involved. And, hey, we're glad to join you in Forney out there. Okay. How's everybody doing? Doing good, thanks. God bless you. Uh, my opinion, my personal opinion, if you read your Bible, it has been prophesied that uh, we would be turned over to reprobate minds, which is morally unprincipled. Yeah. Like in Paul said, the things we know to do, we do not. And the things we know not to do, that we do. <laughs> yeah, I think you know? the group that he's talking about with reprobate minds, I think a different group than he's talking about in Romans 7. But still, I, I get your point, John. Uh, I'm not going to say that that's unique to our society, though. I mean, that's been a problem for a long time, don't you think? Oh, I do. But if we look at the thing like it's going on in California, yeah. you know, homosexuality, and the <laughs> things that we're allowing, you know, as... Christian, these things are immoral, and uh, like I said, we have that mind of just not doing what is right. Yeah, I am, I am going to say we become awfully desensitized to the needs of the people who are around us, and uh, as we do, uh, we just neglect them. We just, we just fail to care about what's going on with them. So, John, thanks so much for your call. I appreciate that. Uh, Carolyn's also calling in in Fort Worth. Oh, we missed Carolyn. Would have been happy to join you out there. Sorry to keep you waiting for so long. We didn't get to do that. So let's try Kim in Dallas. Nice to be able to talk to you. And I want to know uh, why you think people don't get involved when they see someone in grave need. Um, I think that it's because uh, people are really skeptical and, and they think about lawsuits and people being sure. implicated in lawsuits because everybody can sue now. So a lot of people come up with not, not an instance like that that you're discussing today because that's really, you know, very serious. But right. a lot of times you think that people are trying to, you know, bring about this situation so that they can get something out of it, you know, like well, suing somebody for doing something that they can't do wrong. Sure, sure. I, I, I hear that. I, I actually, I understand that. I relate to that in a lot of different ways. I think, uh, 
in our culture, we've become so litigious. We are so inclined to sue people for anything that comes up uh, that it really has put a damper on our willingness to get involved in anything, to do anything. I want to talk some more about that later on uh, today as we get the time to do it. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we need to improve over that. We've got some other callers on the line we're going to get to in just a second. As we're doing that, I just want to remind you of what we're talking about, this man that was uh, hit by a car, and uh, the cars just drove off, and the bystanders... While they did some, they called 911. Most of them looked and just passed on or uh, ignored what was happening or just drove on to get to their busyness and uh, didn't take care of the man who was in grave need, lying on the concrete in the middle of the road. Just to stop traffic would have been one thing that needed to happen. Anyway, uh, and because of that, we're inclined to ask the question, what is it that makes us so reluctant to step in and intervene when people need help? Because it's one of our basic Christian values that we learn to do that. Lola, we're glad to join you in Arlington. Appreciate your calling in. I live in Arlington. Appreciate Arlington. Glad they're building a stadium out there, even though I wish it didn't cost quite as much money. <laughs> what's, so what's going on with you, Lola? What's your opinion? Uh, my opinion is uh, I think uh, America is just indifference to human life because I'm pretty sure if that was a cat or a dog or a horse, <laughs> wow. they would be rushing over to help. Uh, I I mean, I see all these great things that they're doing for the animal rights. Yeah. But when it comes to human being, they don't care. Yeah. You know, I I don't... It's it's very sad. Yeah, it is. You know, I I have two responses to what you're saying, and and they're not in agreement with each other, and they're both in my mind. You know, one of my responses is, well, I don't want to lump all the people that are other than me together. There are people who are pet crazy and animal crazy, and all they're going to do is defend animal life, and they don't care about human life. And so I don't want to lump these people into that category just because they did this. But wow, Lola, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you because I've been in those circumstances where you see a dog hit or something like that, and Everybody pretty much immediately stops. And, you know, I think I, I've read a few things about this this week. I, I think I've heard from people also that if a child is in this circumstance, more people are inclined to stop and help, uh, to get involved and not just ignore the situation. But uh, I think you're right. I, I think we have a disregard for human life that makes a huge difference right now. And, in fact, uh, if we have time late in the program, I'm definitely going to come back to that, too. Lola, thanks for a great call from Harlington for an interesting idea and something to take into consideration. You know, we have, a lot of times, more compassion for seeing an animal suffer than for— how many times have you seen at the end of a film uh, the lines come up, no human beings were harmed in the making of this film? Uh, We're not too worried about that, but as long as they didn't harm any animals, I'm willing to go to the movie. All right, David, glad to join you in Fort Worth. Appreciate your calling. Uh, You say uh, you were involved in a situation that required some intervention? Uh, Both ways. Back in junior high, now this is many years ago because I'm almost 60, but um, the last day of school, and this kind of set the tone for me later on in life, but we saw a young one of our classmates for some reason had walked outside of the building, and he got jumped by another student with a bicycle chain okay and was beating him and we just kind of stood there in in shock and i think that's what happens a lot of times i I agree that that you're in shock but i eventually saw another student jump out a window this was before air conditioning in schools jumped out the window and ran out there and intervened and stopped the beating the kid had blood all over him right later on in life i saw the same thing happening and i remembered that and I jumped out uh, 
The guy was snatching a woman's purse and in the process beating her. I chased him and actually subdued him until the police got there. Right. Wow. um, Good for you. It's one of those things, when you see something like that, it may help you react later on in life. Yeah, yeah, right. Man, I appreciate your sharing that with us, David, because, uh, to be honest, a lot of reactions to things like this are, uh, we remember the stories about the person who intervened and was injured or even killed because they intervened. Someone stops on the side of the road to help someone change a tire, and they end up dead because of it, because somebody runs them over. And, And then we start hesitating to intervene ourselves as if the risk is not worth it. Life would not be worth living if we were not willing to help each other. That's what makes us human. And as Christians, we lead the way in doing what's right and doing what God created us to do. We have to remember that responsibility. We're going to be talking more about this same topic when we come back just after this informative break on Jerry Johnson Live. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. I'm on the corner of Park Street and Main Street, and there was somebody who was hitting a hit run. We've been talking about this hit and run that took place up in Hartford, Connecticut. Tragedies like that happen all of the time. We had a motorcyclist we were talking about earlier. I didn't uh, get the details of the story, but I remember hearing about it on the news, who went over uh, and uh, over an overpass. He went over the uh, guardrail and ended up in the river bottom, and he was pickpocketed and stripped by the people who were down there under the overpass before anybody was able to find him or even realize that he was down there from the accident. Uh, That is the opposite of what we're trying to talk about today. Uh, When we see a person in need actually intervening for their benefit instead of just staying out of the issue and uh, one of the now we have some callers on the line but I just want to remind everybody what we're asking you today and that is why are we so reluctant to get involved people have great need we can see that they have a great need and yet we are standoffish about it I think a lot of it is built into the mentality that we say well somebody else is going to do it but why do we want to take that out why do we want to say well someone else is going to do it therefore I don't have to I can go on and do my business or whatever. So what is that motivation? And I think we have a really good answer coming from our next caller, but I want to invite you to call, too. Uh, The number is 1-800-881-9270 if you have one of two things. Number one is why you have a reason why you think we don't get involved when people are in great need. And then secondly, if you have an incident where someone did get involved when there was great need. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was someone who got involved and helped you. Maybe it's just one you know about, but where it made a big difference because someone did get involved. And I just want to remind us that whether it actually helps in the end or not is not the primary issue. I know you're saying to yourself, that's crazy. The whole thing is whether it actually helps or not. No, the important thing is what kind of character we have, whether we are virtuous or not, whether we care 
about each other or not. Now, I'm not saying we ought to act in ignorance, but we do need to act. Now, one of the reasons that we've, we've been mentioning today that, is, that causes us to stay out of involvement is uh, lawsuits. We, we don't want to take the risk of doing something that provokes someone to sue us. Now, there are some legal responses that have taken place to that objection over the years. We realized that was a problem and have enacted Good Samaritan laws, for instance, which a lot of people misunderstand. There's not a law that says you have to intervene to help someone unless you have a prior relationship with them, in which case you do. But there's not a law like that. There is a Good Samaritan law, though, and best I understand it, this is still in force in Texas, that protects someone who intervenes in a time of great need from a lawsuit because they were just trying to help. As long as they act reasonably, then they're protected under these Good Samaritan laws, the best I understand it. Now, if you're a lawyer and can call in and clarify that, that'd be fantastic. We would enjoy that and uh, love to know the details. But best I understand, that's what's still true in Texas today. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to go to Mark and appreciate your calling from Grapevine. Love that area. My son lives there, my oldest son. And I want to know what your opinion is about why people don't get involved. Hey, Barry. Yeah, um... You know, I, I believe people really are inherently good and want want to uh, want to try to do good and help. But you know, they just don't know what to do. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, uh, I just really want to make a plug for being American Red Cross CPR trained. Ah, uh, I did good that, deal. Uh, last year, and 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 you know, it's incredible. A Saturday or or two week uh, days or in the evening, yeah. uh, a few dollars. Uh, certification lasts a couple of years. Yeah. You know, they try to ask you to recertify it every couple of years. Right. Uh, but, you know, it really gives you the techniques and abilities to, to, to help somebody. Right. And, 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 and just long enough until the, until the uh, ambulance or the, the paramedics show up to make them comfortable. Right. To, to, to jump in there and maybe stop the bleeding. Mark, let me, uh, uh, let me ask you something while you're, uh, while you're talking because, I, first of all, I want to just affirm you on saying we need to get training. Uh, I, I'm just going to follow up on that in a second. But but before I do that, uh, you know, I, I disagree with your statement that we're just basically good, that people have this good thing inside of them. But I would agree with you if what you mean is this. Even though we're basically selfish and we're generally more concerned with ourselves than anyone else, I think there are a lot of people out there who want to care for other people and who have chosen not to be purely selfish in their lives. And I think they are there, and I think you're right. I think a lot of times they just don't know what to do, or at least that's the reason that they have for not getting involved. Would you go with me that far, Mark? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I think, this, you know, if, if, if you took the time to walk up and, and, and see the right. situation right. And, and even call 911, uh, uh, one thing I like about CPR training is they give you the instructions to deal with the situation from right. the beginning to the end, till the paramedics show up, uh, they they have you ask somebody to call nine one one. Right, and they can get that from a Red Cross center. You're saying they can get yeah. that by contacting a Red Cross. You know, there's so many places that teach that. I mean, yeah. In fact, we had church members uh, down at Bethany and South Dallas down here in Pleasant Grove. We had church where that's what they did. They trained people in CPR. It's a great idea, Mark. That's a that's a fantastic call for a couple of reasons. One is I've noticed that in our society, and we have a couple of callers on the line. I'm going to get to just as fast as I can, just in a couple of minutes. So hold on the line for us, and we'll get right to you. But um, you know, it's 
it's really important for us to recognize these couple of things being tied together. That is, we have a lawsuit-happy culture. In fact, uh, we actually think of the litigation something like the lottery. You know, you, you have the right slip-and-fall moment, and uh, hey, I might ching cash in and really uh, ease my whole life, get a little early retirement going, good thing. And as long as we're thinking that way, we're going to be lawsuit-happy people. But because of that, We've taken this step of giving special training to people so that they can be lawsuit-proof. Now, I know it's not really lawsuit-proof, but at least they can have an advantage over the lawsuit of saying, look, I was trained in this particular way, and that's exactly what I did with my training, and therefore I'm safe from this lawsuit. And therefore, we take on this specialization mentality. Now, specialization's a good thing. We need to have experts. We need to have people who know how to do something extremely well. But using specialization as an excuse not to intervene when you're the one who's present is not acceptable. If all I've got is a nail and a shoe, then I'm going to use my shoe to nail that, I mean, to put that nail into the wall. I'm going to use whatever tool is available. And if I'm the only tool available to help somebody and I'm not an expert, I've still got to try to help them the best that I can. Now, I don't want to be ignorant and I do want the training. So let's stop making the excuse that we don't know and get some training. Let's read some things. Let's go get some help. Let's go to the experts. Let's find out what's involved in it, and let's at least become sufficient to help in a first response kind of situation until the police get there or until the experts get there. So thanks so much for that call because we just don't want to live in a not-my-job society. It may not be your job, but it is your moral responsibility. We live together in a culture where we have to depend on each other to lift each other up when we're in a time of need. And this is not just about physical crises like we're talking about, but moral crises and spiritual crises and whatever it is. Get involved. That's what we have to do. All right, Deb, thanks for being so patient in Wichita Falls. Oh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong one because she wasn't so patient. Well, thanks a lot, Deb. Okay, so Carol, I appreciate your calling and hanging on the line, and we're glad to get to you. What's your? Uh, what, I see you may have been involved in something like this. Yeah, it was uh, almost 25 years ago. Oh, wow. What I happened? I was engaged to this um, engineer in his 40s, uh-huh. and we went out for lunch, and um, he choked on a piece of steak. Right. And was trying to signal with his hands to me that he needed help. Okay. And he never got the first word out, just hand signals, right. and started turning colors. He was actually choking to death in front of me. Oh, my. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know it was steak. I just knew that he was in serious trouble. Right. And I yelled for somebody. To, the restaurant was busy. It was a good restaurant, by right. the way. Right. And um, I ended up having to drag him. I don't know if I can help or not. Having to drag him down on the floor out of the chair by myself. And not knowing what to do, I there were people in the restaurant. His stomach to pound on his back because I couldn't think of anything else. There were people in the restaurant seeing this. It was a very busy lunch. And you're just doing this by yourself, and I'm no one's saying, "Can I help?" And screaming, I'm screaming at him, "Don, don't die, Don, don't die." I'm screaming at them, "Somebody help us! Somebody help us!" Oh my goodness! And I I could not. It took me. Almost the whole month he was in coma in the hospital to stop thinking of the scene in the restaurant because oh literally what happened is the people that were at surrounding tables got up, took their drinks with them, and surrounded us and watched while he turned black. Oh, my goodness. And it was 22 minutes later. 
that the ambulance arrived, and I found out that, and I kept screaming for the ambulance, of course. Oh, my. And it turns out that the reason the ambulance took so long is because nobody called them until the last minute. Nobody called. Everybody thought someone else was going to call, and, and nobody helped you with right. him either. and he wow. died on the scene, and they revived him physically, but he was brain dead on arrival. Oh, my goodness. And so you said he was in a... former family, right. he was divorced, wow. uh, made the decision to pull the plug. Wow, so died a month later. the whole thing was the nightmares that came after... I can't even imagine. Because, you know, in your nightmares, you don't see them standing there. Yeah. You see them standing there laughing. Well, I just, yeah, I, I cannot even imagine. The and worst if, part of course, was that the chef was an expert in Heimrich, and I didn't know it at all. Wow. But I learned very quickly while he was not. Well, well, we just have, you know, we can never assume, and this is for all of us to think, you never right. assume that someone else is going to do it if you're not willing to do it. This exactly. is the golden rule. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, if you want men to do it toward you, you have to do it toward them. That's right. not just a statement of, this is how you get no. what you want. It's the a statement about universalizing what's right. Revelation, because I didn't know where else to go for an explanation. Wow. Wow. Well, I appreciate your call, Carol. I'm so sorry for that loss and for that tragedy. And I just want it to be a wake-up call for all of us to be aware that people around us need us. And it's not just in these physical crises that take place. Now, we do have another caller on the line. And if you want to call in, you're welcome to with an opinion about this or a statement about it at 1-800-881-9270. And we'll get to you right after this break. But uh, And we'll get to the callers that are waiting right after this break also. But I just want to say we're going to come back and talk about this some more because there's a very basic an important moral compulsion that goes with serving others, seeing others in need and stepping in to help them, even if it does come at great personal sacrifice. We're talking about cases that don't involve great personal sacrifice, but even if it does as Christians, we've got to care. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. I hit a runner car. Uh, you know what? A car's pulling up right now. Yeah, I saw the accident happen. 
All right. Well, we have that 911 call that reminds us of what we're talking about today, which is uh, this terrible hit and run that took place up in Hartford. And whether the people there actually did or didn't respond appropriately, we can't tell. Uh, The police cruiser does arrive on the scene only a minute and a half after the event took place. Uh, He's not responding to a call about that incident, but just happened upon the scene. So uh, there's really not much time for the people to react. So I really don't want to pronounce judgment on the people who were in that situation. Uh, Well, except for the people who just drove off even after they saw it. Now, I don't have too hard a time pronouncing a judgment on them. However, uh, we have the same problems, and we've heard plenty of cases today of uh, people who've been in situations like that, some who received help, one in particular who did not receive help. And, uh, you know, I I don't think that's the only one we're going to hear today while we're talking about these things. So, uh, you know, let's. I want to get right back to the callers, but I want to remind you of what we're talking about. Number one is, why is it that we're so reluctant to get involved? And number two is, have you been in a situation where maybe people uh, did get involved. Now, James, you have an opinion about this also uh, in Dallas. appreciate you joining us in Dallas. What's your uh, uh, question or opinion about this? Well, my opinion is it, it, I still think in the state of Texas it's a criminal act to leave a scene of an accident like that without rendering aid. Well, I don't know, honestly. I would have to hear from an attorney. I, you know, I did a little reading on it, and in my ignorance, I, do, I, I was not able to confirm that. I wanted to make that case, too. Now, what I have seen is that if you have a prior relationship with the person who's in it, and this I do know, like if you're the person's doctor and they're in a dire situation and you were there when it happened, then you've got to intervene. But not if you're a stranger as a doctor or well, if you're actually, a first yeah, responder. For some, for some reason, I'm thinking this because, see, there's even been drivers of vehicles charged with failure to render aid because they left scenes of accident. And again, that may be the case, but I, I would love... Now, I know if you are a part of causing it, then you are then you can be charged with that failure to render aid because you were a part of what caused it. Right, but I'm talking right. about bystanders in general. But I, I think you're right about that. And uh, I'm just not going to say because I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. And I would love for a lawyer to call in and clarify all this for us, but I doubt that's going to happen in the next six and a half minutes. So, right. Well, uh, I make it a practice to get involved in those situations. Good. I make good. lots of 911 calls. That's, that's the and, way it should be. You know, so I, I love to do that, and I love to be able to witness Christ through doing that kind of thing. Amen, bro. And that's exactly what I want to hear because, and this is this is just how we have to be. Why should it be legislated for Christians to exercise their care? And then right. again, why should we as Christians expect the world to act the way that we're supposed to act? So we just need to make sure we're willing to intervene. And man, I I appreciate that call. That's great input. And that's how we all need to be. Let's stay involved. And James, thank you so much for your call. Sandra, I appreciate you calling in as well. It's really nice to talk to you. Tell me why you don't think people get involved? Well, I actually have a couple of reasons that I think that they don't get involved. One is um, that some people are just not observant. Now, that doesn't apply to this, but some people are you're just so busy and you don't even notice. I remember a situation where there was a man on the side of the road bleeding, and my husband and I were in the car. He saw it, and he's pulling over, and I'm thought, what are you pulling over for? And I hadn't even seen the guy. Right. I understand you know? that. I, I, I relate to that. I wish it were not true about me, but I have my blinders on a lot. That's true. You just don't notice okay. it. What's the other one? The other one is, I, I, in contrast to a previous caller, I think that most people are inherently selfish, and they don't want to get involved. And, and Christians are not... Uh, what shall I say, excuse from this type of behavior? I mean, it goes deeper than an emergency situation. Um, How many times have you heard people, Christians, upset because they get a notice to serve on a jury? Right, right, sure. They don't want to get involved. Sure. 
happens you know, all the time. Too busy. It's all about me. I don't want to get involved with that. I'm selfish, and you know, I don't have time for that. So right. Christians stand and have conversations about what they're going to go down there and say to try to to make themselves uh, undesirable. Right. Oh, I, hey, I thought the appropriate response to a jury summons was, "How do I get out of this?" Isn't yeah. that what we're supposed to say? <laughs> that's uh, what people say. That's exactly what we say. We, yeah. we all do that, and that's shameful. You know, we. It, it, we have to be involved. Uh, absolutely. Sandra, uh, thanks for your call. That, that is, that's perfect input, and that's what we needed to get in here uh, before we finish up this, this talk. Because, uh, you know, I ha- it's, look, it is a part of Christianity uh, that we care for others. But that's not, that's not strong enough. That, that's not even close to strong enough a statement of what the issue is here. It's not just a part of Christianity that we care for others. It is the central part of Christianity, that we care for each other and that we care for those who are in need. You know, we could go to all kinds of biblical passages and make this point from the Old Testament through the New Testament. I think of the proverb. I thought of this today uh, in Proverbs 3. It talks, uh, first of all, I I remembered it in terms of your neighbor. When your neighbor comes to you and he has a need, don't say to him, uh, go away and come back tomorrow and I'll take care of it. If you already have what he needs, then you should meet his need that day. But it actually says it about more than that. It says literally this in Proverbs 3, withhold not good from those to whom it is due, when it's in the power of your hand to do it. Now, it may not be in the power of your hand to do it. That's fine. You can't do what you can't do. But if it's in the power of your hand to do it, it says, do not withhold good, very generic word, just the generic word in the Old Testament for good, anything that's coming to them, anything that they need, anything that is actually good for them. Now, I'm not saying to you, you give drugs to a drug addict. I'm not saying that we have to enable people. That would not be doing good for them, and it would not be giving them good. But if they need something good, and if we are obligated to provide it for them, then we have to give it to them now. We can't put it off. We can't say someone else will do it. So the statement is, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Uh, By the way, you would even know that in Hebrew, the to whom it is due is to uh, those, um, well, it basically says uh, to those who are bail over it. It means they own it. They, it belongs to them, which means we owe it to them. So if, if someone else has a need and I can provide it for them and I have it, I'm supposed to provide it for them. So do not withhold good from those to whom it's due when it's in the power of your hand to do it. And don't say to your neighbor, well, go away and come back later and tomorrow I'll give it to you when you have it with you now. So if I have the ability to help someone, I have to step in and help them right now. Look, the basic attitude I'm describing is called altruism, and the shame in our culture is that so many of us don't believe in it. We don't believe in helping others for the sake of helping others. We have a lot of people in our culture who don't even believe it's possible. Do you remember a Friends episode a few years back? Hopefully you don't watch Friends, but if you do, you know Joey and whatever the blonde girl's name is had a dispute on one of the Friends about whether it was even possible possible for a person to do anything unselfish. Now, that wasn't a new argument from friends. They were just rehashing an old philosophical argument, and a ton of people hold the same view that basically that show came to a conclusion with, which is that it's not possible for for us to do anything that's unselfish. Well, I'm here to tell you, and of course the Word of God tells us, that that's not how God created us. He did not create us with only a desire for pleasure or only a desire to please ourselves, but instead gave us a desire about ourselves. That's true. We pursue pleasure, but also a desire about others that has nothing to do with pleasure and that allows it to be meaningful when Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, 
then a man's going to have to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself. We have to look outside the selfish, outside the self. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective. 